Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Oh my gosh, Emily, how are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. <laughs> I am fantastic. Thank you. I'm yeah. just happy to be back into the studio. I know, I know. Yeah. I have some absolutely wonderful news I want to share. It means like the world to me. I got a cortisone Ooh. shot in my heel on Friday oh, and yes. I finally walk like a normal person for the last 10 months. I am super, super excited to be normal again. Yeah, it's I just didn't life realize changing. It was uh, life restoring mm-hmm. to have my no pain in my foot anymore, the plantar fasciitis. And then the doctor said they have developed bone spurs. And um, I did scream out when he injected my heel. A few, a few uh, profane um, words <laughs> flew out of my mouth. Uh, sailors would have been proud, uh, <laughs> and I did implore the uh, the services of lots of baby gods to help me through it. But it's so worth it. It was worth the pain. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't I do this oh months gosh. ago? But yeah. Well, yes, we spent some time together over the weekend, and it was a it was a brand new Michelle. You were you were um, walking no longer, like a regular person. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you know, we were running all around town without yeah. any kind of problems. Yeah. So it's amazing. I didn't realize. I mean, I knew I was in pain. But without mm-hmm. those gone, it's like, oh, yeah. How did I survive that? Oh, that's yeah. well, very wonderful. Happy, very happy. So I wanted to share with everybody out there because I know I've complained about it many yes. times on the podcast episodes about my foot, the plantar fasciitis. So now you can rest a little easier knowing that my foot is is uh, on its way to full recovery. So does this mean you get to wear ridiculous shoes again? I'm not going to wear ridiculous <laughs> shoes yet. I'm just hoping that I can wear, you know, I'm looking forward to wearing the cowboy boots when I go to Houston this weekend, um, as opposed to always my nice, stable, you know, mm-hmm. solid mm-hmm. as a rock, not very, you know, feminine, but they work and I don't scream shoes. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. Fair yeah. enough. We're moving back though. I'm, I'm I'm back in the living now. So. Well, that's great. Well, I'm really glad to say that we have fabulous wine that we can do a toast to your toes. <laughs> oh yeah. What are we drinking? And, and who's our guest today, Emily? Yes. I know we have just an amazing combination here. Okay. So at our table, we have Amy Rivera and unlike many of our guests that we've met through Medici, I met um, Amy through our friend Denise that was on uh, a, couple a, weeks ago. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Amy is just an incredible woman who has overcome all kinds of challenges in her life. She's the, a motivational speaker. She's an advocate and founder for a nonprofit organization called Ninjas Fighting Lymphedema. Okay. Um, she has herself is is battled with uh, lymphedema since she was born and um, and now is an advocate trying to, you know, that, that helps people who are struggling with this disease. Her story is so much more interesting and complex than just that battle alone. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of amazing family stories and history and just, it's going to be an incredible conversation with oh, her I'm today. I'm looking forward to it. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. If I need a self-esteem boost, <laughs> I come here all the time. <laughs> Listen to this episode over and over again, <laughs> right? Have it every morning. Listen to Emily's introduction of me. So we're excited to have you. I'm looking forward to getting to know you today. Well, we had a a conversation a few weeks ago now, and it was like one of those right in the middle of the day. So we both just kind of carved out an hour to have a quick meeting. and, And it was like, both of us were like, I wish we didn't have to go. <laughs> like, you know, it was one of those conversations that just, mm. tr- you know, went through all different kinds of um, genres mm-hmm. and emotions. Emotions. Yeah. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And instant connection with her. I think I got a text message from Emily later. I'm like, I, I just met Amy. She has to be on our show. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. She's yeah. already booked. <laughs> She's booked. Awesome. Yeah. Clear day. <laughs> so today we are drinking um, a wine from San Emilion. And this is one that Jason from The Wine Merchant picked out for us. And I am really excited about this guy. Um, this is made by Chateau Quintus. It's from 2015. The proprietor behind this 
wine, by the way, is the crown prince of Luxembourg. Oh. Mm-hmm. He oh. is very known for um, just creating outstanding you know, Bordeaux, uh, you know, really kind of uh, at a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Really kind of sets the the prize, you know. Um, he's known for Chateau Aubryon, um, Premier Grand Cru class Bordeaux. So really, really high quality stuff. The neat thing about the, this particular bottle um, and something that I think he does consistently is that he provides wines at a, that are high value wines, really great, lovely wines, but like bang for the buck. Okay. So this one is um, $26 at the wine merchant, which for a wine of this caliber, it's a tremendous price. When I was doing some research on it earlier today, I was finding prices in that $45 price okay. point for the nice, same bottle. Nice. So, Well, I'm going to ask a silly question. Um, you know, Santa, when you say Santa Million, what would somebody actually who's not familiar with that title? I mean, because people are looking for Cabernets or Bordeaux mm-hmm. or Syrah. I mean, but you see Santa Million, what would they expect? Well, this is a Santa Million is a is a region in Bordeaux. Okay, okay, and um, and so I so it's going to be like a red. Or it's a, it could well, be. I mean, it all it all you know it all depends because there's white Bordeaux also, okay, okay. but. Uh, this one is a blend of red grapes. It's it's forty five percent Merlot and then thirty two percent Cabernet Franc and twenty three percent Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, and you know I think that this tastes very typical of a great Bordeaux from the Saint Emilion region. I you know I get a lot of. Cassis and blackberry and kind of strawberry chan notes from the fruit side of things. But like right off the bat, I get this butterscotch and this kind of vanilla and cocoa, which was very surprising to me. Little tobacco. There's a little mintiness that you often get from this region. Some of that rosemary, you know, minty kind of thing going on. And I also get some that like dusty mushroomy kind of essence too. So I think all of those notes that, you know, I, I'm experiencing are ones that you would commonly find in. In a Centimillion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's very tasty. Um, and I, it smells wonderful. Mm. Mm-hmm. It really does. I had not taken a sip before we started the show, so mm-hmm. that's like total blind tasting. Um, yeah. I did like shove a bunch of cheese and olives yeah. down beforehand. <laughs> Yeah, you're so, going to want to give this a few sips. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. But I, I like the 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 lingering aftertaste. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very nice. It's not uh, sharp at all. Um, I did let this breathe for an hour. That was something okay. that both Jason recommended and everything that I'd read about this wine. And I did do a quick little taste um, just to make sure it was okay when I opened it. And um, it was pretty spectacular right out of the gate, you know. And and I did get that um, that. Like I said, right away, that butterscotch was right there on the nose. I think since I've let this breathe, more of the more some red fruits are starting to come out okay. now, which is pretty nice. And it's just getting more and more complex. So it's lovely. Yeah. Now, Amy, I know that you can't drink, but what what do, what do you find on the nose? Because you can you can give this a good sniff, right? Oh, it smells lovely. Yeah, it does. It smells <laughs> lovely. Um, if I were to drink still, it would be something to this caliber. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when you're describing all the different tastes and the the uh, aftertaste in the sense I'm going, oh. <laughs> it's making you thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> but this is something I would definitely recommend. Yeah. Um, I can see. Yeah. So can I, can you share with us a little bit about why um, it's not wise for you to drink? So I have an incurable disease called lymphedema. And basically what it is is an inflammatory disease when you're missing lymph nodes or if they're damaged in some sort of way. And I just went through some tremendous surgeries to uh, reduce my right leg. Uh, my right leg was 200% larger than my left leg. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And do you ever see pictures of, like, elephantitis? Yeah. yeah. That, that was, was my leg. Was is, was that really, like, lymphedema? They just didn't know what to call it back then? Yes. Yeah, see, okay. I, I was born with it, and it was my entire right side. 
Uh-huh. And then when I was a couple days old, everything went down except my leg. But they told my mom was the way she carried me in the womb. They didn't. Oh, <laughs> no. It's all your fault. It is all mom. your fault, mom. Yeah. You know, imagine being this new mom and yeah. you really oh. don't know what you're doing to begin with. And then you have this on top of it. Um, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was 32. Whoa. So the entire time of trying to find a diagnosis, my leg just became larger and larger. And... This sounds painful. It, 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 when you were talking about your foot, <laughs> <laughs> you could I, relate. I, I can relate. Um, when I went through the surgery, this past surgery, the first six weeks were horrific for me. Um, I didn't. I was like, "Why did I even do this?" Yeah. Now I'm like, "Why didn't I do this ahead?" It's you know. So right. like when you were screaming out because of the shot, I totally can relate to that <laughs> because I probably said a few things myself. What what um, was the surgery like? What did they do? So what they went in, <laughs> they went in and they had to, in sense, like debulk my leg. So it's a form of liposuction, but it's not like a traditional liposuction where you just go in for cosmetic. Mm-hmm. They use a uh, water suction and a certain type of medication to kind of melt the the tissue inside. So over the years of the lymph fluid just sitting there, it developed into a real thick sludge. Oh, oh my god. And they wouldn't they couldn't get it out. And my body can't process that. Mm-hmm. And um so when he went in there to suction everything out, he said it was like uh going into like dense wood. It was so oh hard. And he took out eighty five hundred CCs of like solid uh, almost two two liters of solid oh uh, out of my leg. And then at that point, when he um, got everything out, of course, I had extra skin and so mm. forth. So he had to cut 15 inches of skin. I had a tummy tuck on my leg. Oh, my god! So I have an incision from my knee all the way down to my ankle. And, yeah, they, he cut all that off because it was... You're just flapping. I was just right. flapping, yeah, and, and this, it was dead to begin with. Yeah. He said when he cut me open, so you know I have like different layers, you know, of your fascia and your muscle and so forth. Mm-hmm. He said they were all intertwined and combined because it's like when you put your hands, let's say you're a mechanic and you work all the time, and your hands become thick to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what the inside of my leg was doing, was becoming thick to protect it from that fluid buildup. So for you, it was... You, after birth, it was just the leg that continued to bother you or was still all over, but it was just your leg was the worst. No, it was just my leg. Just your leg. Which is um, a phenomenon in itself because normally it will spill over to a different part of your body over the years. I've never had it anywhere else. Knock on some wood. Knock on some wood. Yeah. Um, I'm really blessed because of that. I'm, um, and so it can move around. It can, and, absolutely. Okay. Um, it can move to your stomach, you know, your other leg, your arms. Um, there's a primary gal that I talked to from the UK, started in her leg, and now she has it in all four limbs. And she's mm. very uh, accommodating. Like, she takes care of herself. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. is very compliant. But that's just the stage of the disease. So I don't—it it amazes me that it took so many years to diagnose you. Is that because people are just starting to understand the disease? Is it is it getting misdiagnosed? So it, it is definitely getting misdiagnosed. Um, there's over 10 million Americans who suffer from a form of a lymphatic issue or a disease and hundreds of millions worldwide. However, we're told you're fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We were told it's just fluid, take a water pill. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had a doctor, um, bless his heart, that's what I'll say. <laughs> sure, sure. I even had a doctor uh, tell me that I was insulting his intelligence by diagnosing myself because there are two reasons why I didn't have this disease. One was I wasn't old, and two, I wasn't fat. So when I showed him my leg, he, his mouth just dropped, but that showed me he didn't know anything about right. lymphedema. Um, I mean, there there are people in, in the celebrity status who have it who are very open about it, and there are others who are not. Um, Kathy Bates is very open about it. She okay. has lymphedema in both of her arms because of mm. breast cancer survivor. Mm. She's one of our biggest advocates. Um, I will actually be speaking with her in June in, in California about oh, it. Oh, wow. Um, I look up to her, not just because she's an actress, but because she's a voice for us. Mm-hmm. But then you have people like Kim Kardashian, who, you know, 
people want to say her her butt is fake, or they want to say mm. she has all this you know different surgeries to enhance that. The reality is she has lipedema, but she does she, she monetizes off of it, and okay. it's her identity. It's who she is, and of course she can go get the liposuction or mm-hmm. go get it, like a the maintenance treatment. thing, a maintenance for it. thing for because it. if you had not had the surgery, would that have ended up being coming a life threatening thing for you, oh, or yeah. a, a, like a amputation of your leg? I mean, I've thought about that. Was, I've thought about actually amputating. I've asked a doctor to do that at one mm-hmm. point in time. Um, because the pain was so great or just accommodating it was a challenge or I had an extra 35 pounds just on one side on a leg and a leg. And, um, I technically was supposed to be in a wheelchair by the time I was 35. I was told I would be, uh, permanently disabled and that just angered me so much that I knew I had to find a reason or a, a doctor to even help me. Um, but if I wouldn't have had the surgery, I would have been disabled. Um, it was like inevitable. Inevitable that you, yeah, there was nothing I was going to be able to do. Um, and is this a, a permanent fix or is it a kind of like, well, we're going to do this and see how it do- how it goes and you might have to come back in a, you know, a couple of years and do it right. again. Um, so there's a, there's two stages to the surgery. There's also, so after you look, Let's say you clean out the plumbing, you get everything cleaned out. Now we got to fix where it's damaged. And so we're talking about right now doing a lymph node transfer where they'll take nodes from other parts of my body and transfer them through my leg. And I've had that done once, but because the surgery was so new that things were done backwards. And it it wasn't Mm -hmm. the surgeon's fault and it wasn't really anyone's fault. It's just them trying to figure out how to fix this. Mm -hmm. Um, I did reduce like size maybe like 20 percent but because i had all that other junk in there it damaged the transfer okay so now that we have it all out we're looking at doing another transfer um however i'm just going to play it by ear because if i can stay where i'm at with just wearing compression for the rest of my life far better than far better than what i was dealing with so it it seems risky like taking lymph nodes from other parts of your body seems like that could open that up to exposure for this problem and and it could um so i have to have a series of tests done to see how many lymph nodes i have where they're at how um how they're functioning in a sense before i can even proceed with the procedure just to make sure i'm a really good candidate for it do people ever are there um, lymph node donors? Like, does that is that does that exist? I mean, we know about all the various organs that can be donated. Are they're working on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're working on. They're also working on like stem cell yeah. transplants. Yeah. And, I mean, they're working on a little bit of everything. Um, is this a genetic uh, autoimmune, autoimmune disease? It is. Okay. It so, is. do you have any idea who in your family may have had it? I so after I finally was diagnosed, I went back to through my entire family, and. Lo and behold, my great-great-grandmother had it, and then my great-grandmother had it, and now my grandmother has developed it. My mother does not have it, but I do, and then my daughter, who's 18, has the lipedema and lymphedema components. So she has the Kim Kardashian and the the lymph fluid issue on top of it. Wow. So it is a genetic. They found which chromosomes are mutated. They've got it down to... um, when they're mutated, it, 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 they've come a long way compared to it was the way you carried her in the womb. Right. Well, <laughs> that you, type of situation. If we just right. slept on the other side of your body, she'd been fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. You right. Kept, you kept sleeping on your right side and everything you know, just pooled right there on her in her little body. Can, can you imagine the guilt? Yeah. That my mom yeah. carried with her for, with for a long time, especially right. since she didn't show any signs of it. Now, yeah. you have, who have had it and you, you're, you are aware for your daughter and you know what to say, what to do, treatments for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how did you cope in high school? It's funny you asked me that. <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking I didn't, about how- I didn't really cope. Um, I was, although I, I found myself to be, uh, I was very nice to people. I always made sure I was very kind because I was made fun of in high school. I was bullied in high school. Yeah. But that turned into, I wanted to be a different person. I didn't want to be known as the girl with the big leg anymore. Mm-hmm. So I decided to enter pageants. And oh, I love oh, yeah, because that's going to be better for you, right? right? Yeah, because there's oh, a way more supportive right. organization. Right. Listen, I don't even know what I, you know, teenagers, they know everything. You know, yeah. you can't tell me anything. 
at this age. But um, so I decided to do it and everyone was totally against me. My own parents, friends, you know, and and looking back, they were just trying to protect me. But it angered me again, you know, this this anger where it keeps coming up, because when you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to show you that I can do it. So I entered the pageant, Miss Junior America Hostess uh, pageant for the state of Missouri. And lo and behold, I won. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> I great. Won. So I, I thought if I won this crown and I won this sash and the sash had a different title. So I needed that title to make me feel better. If I won that, I wouldn't be the girl with the big leg. I would be mm-hmm. Miss Junior America. Well, so I won it. And now I'm the girl with the big leg. I'm the beauty queen with the big leg. Okay, right. So that didn't really do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they weren't very supportive and and things like that. But that's how I dealt with it in high school. I mm-hmm. just tried to find a different identity in some sort. So it wasn't something that you could, like, be active in sports and run around because of that. I can't imagine trying to be a soccer player or run track or volleyball mm-hmm. or do cheerleading, you know, any of those things that we expect uh, – girls to do in high school so because i yeah because i missed all that in high school i did it as an adult with the leg i mean i even went skydiving with this thing oh and i call it this thing like it's some attachment but i i did it to prove a point and Mm. um yeah i couldn't do anything it just it was terrible and so did you have an excuse for like you didn't have to do pe or did you still have to do pe they didn't make me, but I chose to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever, none of the adults treated me differently. They just gave me a choice, but I always put the pressure on myself just to prove that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's, that's really great. what I did. So, that's yeah, <laughs> amazing. I love your determination and yeah, yeah, and your ability to, to not let other people's um, descriptions, thoughts, and opinions actually, you know, define you, that you've, you've made it a point to hold strong in your own identity. Mm. And, and, and in the process of trying to find that identity, um, I just knew no one was going to tell me what I was capable of doing, especially another human being, you know, Mm. when they don't even know what they're capable of doing. And I knew that as a child, I just, I don't know how I knew that. I just, it was just one of the, it was the way I coped with it. Did you have good family support? Were they, um, were they part of, of what gave you that extra boost of confidence? <laughs> oh, they were a part of it all right. <laughs> Are they listening to the show today? <laughs> well, you know, they're already not too happy with me about my book, but you know, this is the Amy story, not the, mm. you know, um, let's. You not know. the Amy's mom and dad story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, they were not supportive. Not because they didn't want to be. They just didn't know how to be. Um, sure. You know, they my, my family dynamics, I feel like, is a Netflix story, honestly. It, how so? And so I, I come from a family of swingers. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So we've already, been already yeah. we're better than Ozark. Right. The, the show Ozark. Um, I, I come from that type of family. Um, so that they're open-minded and on one. You can call on, it that. Yeah. You can call it that. Um, yeah, they're open-minded. Yeah, they are. They're open-minded. Mm. Um, they, as a parent today, I don't understand that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to try to understand it. Um, because it's just not something that I need to know. Right. Um, but my family dynamics were really, really um, awful. Were um, you seeing their other partners often? or Little did I know they were. Okay. I thought we were just going over there, you know, for friends yeah, yeah. and things like that. Um, I, was a, I was very young. I'm the oldest of five. Okay. So as soon as I turned 18, I got out the door. But my siblings got to witness more than what I did. Um but that wasn't even the worst part of the, of the family dynamics. My mother, um, she didn't really have a good family home situation either, and neither did her mother. Mm. And this what this is what led me to kind of sit back and reflect on how I can be different and, mm-hmm. and use my voice for for women who 
suffered from the same situations I suffered from. So at first I was very angry with my mother. I saw a lot of sex. I saw uh, a lot of um, drugs. Mm. I saw a lot of men, women. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a point when my mother took us to a hotel room and there was two beds and me and my brothers had to turn the other way and go to sleep while she did her business in the other one. In the same oh, room. I was eight yeah. years old. Yeah, that's- oh, it, so this was, were your parents... With this was this wasn't with your father. No, no. they had just split up. Okay. that very night, actually. That oh, very night. Did you know that they had split up at that night, or did you learn later that oh, that was the night they split uh, up? No, I was caught in the middle of it. Um, it was a really bad situation. In the middle of the night, we were taken from home, and a big fight in the the road in the middle of the road. Um, I remember it as if it was yesterday. Yeah, and my father didn't want my mother to leave, but. My my father wasn't a very good father, wasn't a very good provider. My mother was working two jobs, paying a, a babysitter to watch us because my dad was out doing whatever he wanted to do. Or he had, whomever he wanted oh, to do. Or whomever he wanted right. to do. So yeah. my mom was really, she was trying to make the best decisions in the worst situations with not even having a good solid foundation. So I'm not even mad at her over this anymore. Um, I understand it. Mm-hmm. And... It led me to go back even deeper to look at her mother. And um, her mother lost her mother. My grandmother lost her mother at the age of seven. She died of cancer. Oh, Lord. So when her mother died, her father remarried. And her father was a very abusive, alcoholic, Mm. not gentle kind of father. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother was raped by her stepbrother. Oh, my. Wow. So my grandmother got pregnant, and when she told her father, he kicked her out. By the stepbrother. Did he say it was? She did. But the family did. So when I I look at this, I see the generational issues. Uh Mm -hmm. And um, so my my grandmother got married to my grandfather. And they've been married 50, 60 years. At this point, you know, they're they're married again. Uh, there was a point. Again. <laughs> okay. Whoa. There was a point they weren't married. Okay. Uh, well, um, yeah. this is a lot uh, for <laughs> us to take in right now. Uh, excuse me. I just, I hope, let's take mm-hmm. a little break because sure. I, I just kind of want to, you know, put myself, yeah. you know, pieces together in my brain of where sure. we're going sure. because I... Um, I feel like there's there's a lot there's a lot we're gonna to unpack explore. here and, um, yeah. and I want to I want to we want to have full glasses we have full glasses on this so That's let's take right. a quick break sure and then yeah. we'll be right back thank you. We're back. Thank you for letting us take that pause to refresh our classes because it was very clear we were heading into some even deeper yet more fascinating conversation. And it was like, oh, we need to make sure we have yeah. plenty for this. I had to get my flow chart going. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I had, I had the right grandma with the right grandpa. And then the, it gets a little confusing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, you like know, a, it's like a great novel, you know, when they all have the same first name, Jacob, but it's like, you know, It's like a Russian novel. Yeah. <laughs> or... Or it's a Gabrielle Garcia Marquez story, you know. that's true. Definitely. So we were amiss um, as we we keep to... We just jump right into our guests. We do. We've been kind of doing this and then we we haven't been getting your description. And so it's time. It's time for the Michelle description of this wine. This is a really good wine and I... um, I, It's a wine you want to share. Okay. You can drink it with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your girlfriend and boyfriend at the same time. <laughs> your husband and your lover at the same and time. Your husband and your lover. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I would, you know, it's it's definitely, it's it's quite good. And I, I mean, if I was going to say what kind of panties it is, it would be like, you know, edible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There, yeah, it there is. you go. We'll work with that. We'll get that Instagram post going up. That's, right? Yeah. That is yeah. a but drop. It goes with the story right it, now. It exactly. Does. It does. A, that um, was a drop the mic moment, or should I say a drop the panty drop moment? The panty moment. <laughs> I'm just hoping that the Prince of Luxembourg is actually listening to this mm. and wants to drink it along with. Yes, with he could us. be a part of the party for I sure. Just, I wonder if he's you know happily married. 
<laughs> I'm going to do some Google on we that. We can find out. Yeah, we yeah, can we'll Google. tag him on, yeah. The, yeah. on the episode. Him. But it's, it's quite lovely, this, uh, this wine. That's Thank good. you, Jason, the wine merchant, for yeah. recommending it yeah. to us. So, Amy, as you're kind of talking about just the complexities within your family, it made me wonder, is there you know, kind of going back to your mom a little bit is, did she have some sort of a sex addiction? Like, you know, here she is on a very difficult night. Her her and her husband are splitting up and they're leaving, she's leaving the family, yet she still has sex that night, you mm-hmm. know, with a partner um, next to all her children, you know, which makes me think, ooh, is there an addiction? And usually that means there's some other form of abuse going on. So what is your insight there? So I, when I started to heal myself, I went back to see what, what triggered that behavior with her. And I saw that not only did she have a sex addiction, but she was abused as a child. Okay. And, um, sexually abused. Sexually abused. Um, and so were her siblings. And, um, it goes back to my great grandfather who, who's done these things, uh, to his own family. And the abuse was so horrific that I had an aunt who committed suicide and when I was an infant, Okay, but that's the type of situation she came from. So I, like I said, I can't be really angry with her, Mm -hmm. but I, my heart breaks for her and, um, and I actually see this more common than 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 what you would think in in young women mm-hmm. and and women going through these type of situations. Um, but it didn't just stop. She didn't learn her lesson. She didn't learn how to to live differently. She just continued to live that same generational cycle mm-hmm. of abuse. So the next husband she married, that's when she became a swinger. Okay. Okay. So well, because yeah. for her, I would I would venture to to say that sex was a transactional um, tool for her, possibly. Absolutely. And for a lot of uh, people, and and being an abuse victim, you can separate yourself from what's happening to your body. You can de- departmentalize. You, you, you know. Yeah. You can, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So she just. I mean, I I can't speak for your mom, but um, I can see where she's going through a traumatic experience of taking her children out of a situation with your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, sex is a coping mechanism, right? Right. She's, you know, and and trying to not knowing what's in front of her, afraid mm-hmm. that I have this coming up, and probably for however long it took her, a couple hours, she just. She knew you were safe, mm-hmm. and she needed to go some pl- go someplace else in her her mind, mind before she like you know okay this is what I have to do. I'm I'm con- it's all conjecture, but I yeah. I can see where right and, and I'm not and I'm not um, I don't want to bash my family or anger sure. them in any way or form, but the reality is there's so many women dealing with this, mm-hmm. and um, they make poor decisions because of the circumstances they're in right and just how you just described it we all go through these situations Mm -hmm. and And if she doesn't have if she didn't learn coping skills Mm -hmm. or even how to verbalize what was happening to her then she was already a deficit on how to get out of it absolutely and it seems like this is something that had been going on for several generations in your family so you know when you're a young person you don't you don't know these things that are happening are wrong because it's all you've been exposed to. So especially when you're talking about generations, several generations having gone through it. So I can imagine that it was a challenge in itself to realize that, oh, my gosh, you know. It's a challenge. So it's a challenge on both sides. Um, My family has shunned me to an extent because I'm the one that stopped this generational issue. Um, my generation has put their foot down with it. However, they don't know how to accept that because that's all they're used to. That's mm-hmm. all they know. So it, it's difficult for them to uh, understand and respect my voice for other women. You know, this this book I'm writing, they they do not want me to write, but it. It goes far because beyond. it's more than a tell-all, right? It's more than a tell-all. It's, it's more about 
And I tell on myself, yeah. I tell yeah. on myself, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's things that I've done that I shouldn't have done because I learned from that behavior we're human. and we're human. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not a tell all. Let me just air out my dirty laundry. But it's how do we get through this? How do we move past this? How do we forgive? How do we right? forgive? And, and, yeah. and it's not forgiveness for those, but it's for yourself. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. So you've gone through a cycle of finding forgiveness. How about your siblings? They're still trying to. Yeah. Um, they have, so my two brothers, um, I'm, like I said, I'm the oldest of five. I have. All uh, the same dad? No, I have two, okay. two brothers. Good question. Yeah, I was just saying. Yeah. All insightful like <laughs> right? that. Yeah. I'm, all, um, I'm all about the soap opera. I have a stepbrother and a stepsister. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really close to my stepsister. Uh, we've been sisters since she was two, and my stepbrother, he, you know, he's, he does his own thing, construction and things like that. We're fine. Uh, my two brothers, they, they were really um, affected by this family dynamics. Um, both went to federal prison, max oh. crimes. Oh, for drug charges. Okay. Um, you ever watched the movie Breaking Bad? Oh, yes. <laughs> that is my family. Oh, my God. Interesting. Um, yes. Interesting. Well, and that's a real problem that happened. Here. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, like, how do you cope with that kind of yeah. news when with your family? I've been dealing with it since, well, my one brother, he's been institutionalized off and on since he was 11. Oh, my gosh. For meth? Uh, no. The first time was he stabbed his teacher in the hand with a pencil. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, you talk about some anger Violence. issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But when you grow up in a family where you're just, he didn't have an outlet. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't taught. That the, the, the right way to express right way your to express anger. Your anger. The, yeah. Um, now I'm not saying that everything he's done is justified because you get to a point where you're an adult and you know right from wrong. Yeah. Um, my other brother, he just, he knew he could make more money making meth than working nine to five. And he did. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars. To the wow. point where the DEA was following him from state to state. Oh. And, and were you aware he was doing this before? He, oh, oh, gosh. I didn't talk to him for several years. Okay. okay. Um, and strangely, we're like the best of friends now. Really? Okay. So he is he, out of the I couldn't business. be pr- more prouder than my brother than I am today. Um, he went to prison, saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when he got out of prison, he went. To, he moved to Tennessee, where our biological father lives, and he decided to go to school for HVAC. He is now running his own company. He graduated top of his class. Yeah. He got off parole two years early. Oh, that's wonderful! And now he's going around and he's helping people, talking about drug addiction and things oh, like that. Oh, that's just great! So he really found his foundation mm-hmm. through all of this. And, and was it was it prison that really helped him? It really was. Yeah. Wow. It really was. Well, because, that's a good yeah. story. You, I, you know, you pretty much just hear kind of the horror stories of prison now and how it's like. I well, don't know. there is some horror stories. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to yeah. hang out there just to <laughs> no. you know, find out for no. sure. I, I you went know. there once to visit, and I just that was it. That was it. Yeah. How long was he there? So my one brother was there for four years. My other brother, like I said, he's been in and out for quite a bit. And he's officially, my other brother's out and he's still taking some time to kind of get used to um, being out. Being out, You know, he's been told what to do his entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's doing pretty good. You know, it's just a little bit of a struggle for him, a little bit of adjustment, but he's holding a full-time job. He's working. That's all he does. So he's doing really good. Um, it just takes him a little bit... Um, to get yeah. used to it. So mm-hmm. I'm, this thought came to me while you're describing the the struggles you you've had and your brothers have, and you know, and the family dynamic. I wonder if, like, I know that the lymphedema is an autoimmune disorder disease, but like that was sort of like your your scar, your family mm-hmm. scar, sh- like right out there in the open for everybody mm-hmm. to see, and you had to learn to cope with it. You had to learn to get above it. I almost wonder if your brother's scars were so internal that they. You know, there's they couldn't just like, hey, something's wrong with me, and mm-hmm. I need help. And I've also, I, it's so funny you say that because I've thought about that so many times. Yeah, like how did I survive this whole family dynamic and not fall apart in a sense? And I wondered about that. Was it because I hid behind the lymphedema? The lymphedema is the one that, well, it, like 
it protected you it in protected another way. Protected me in another way. Yeah, possibly. And, and, yeah, and and I I've often wondered that because I mean I didn't end up in prostitution. I I don't do drugs. It's kind of hard with a leg that large. Right. It's just, you know, well, you they're going to pass are, you by on the street. There are strange people out there. <laughs> say, okay. I'm sure that's a key I mean, for someone. They're going to be driving by. There's fetishes out there. Like, well, there's a girl with a big leg. Yeah. Let me see what she's up to. <laughs> I bet you she, bet she charges half. <laughs> for one side? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You'd have to work twice as hard right. for the same amount of money, you know. You know? I, yeah. It's so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, a little sick humor here on clearly speaking the podcast. But I, think, yeah. I mean, you gotta laugh at it. Yeah, you gotta laugh you gotta at the situation. You gotta have fun. So, and and that's just that's just a tad bit of my family dynamics. Of, mm, of you know, gosh. I've always hid behind the lymphedema. People know the lymphedema story. They know yeah. the the Amy lymphedema, but they don't know the real Amy story. And yeah, or the year, Amy beyond the lymphedema. The Amy beyond right. lymphedema. Yeah. And yeah. you have a you have so much to celebrate. You've got a, a beautiful family, a wonderful husband, mm-hmm. and I mean, you are a radiant person. Look at you; you're gorgeous, and it's I know it's beyond the physical. You, you can see it comes from the inside. So, and you're writing a book. I am. Tell us about that. So, this book is going to anger a lot of people, but it's also going to help several more. Um, so, the book is about. For women to awaken the resilient authority. Okay. Is that the title? That is the title. What does that mean? So what that means is you have the authority to use your voice. You have the authority to be a powerful woman. Because you grew up in a situation doesn't mean you have to follow that family dynamics. Because your mother told you, and these are things that I've been told, use what God gave you to get what you need doesn't mean you go do that oh my yeah and um we all have stories you mean your brain use your brain yes and we've talked about this yeah you know i went to school i've had i have two two degrees but i was never able to use them to my fullest potential because i was too pretty to move forward i was told that literally i could not move forward in this company because i was too pretty and i needed to sit right where i was at Okay. Sounds like somebody That's... who just wanted to keep you in his his line of sight, so he didn't, mm-hmm. you know, because he liked how you looked. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that you were too pretty to move forward. He was very selfish. And, exactly. And how do you combat that when you're 23, 24 years old and you don't know to what say do... F you? How long did you stay with that company? 10 years. Oh, my gosh. So I sat there for 10 years. What made you finally give them the middle finger? Or the leg. <laughs> or right. the leg. She like hit so, him in the head with the leg. So when I officially got the diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, you became too expensive for I their, became too <laughs> their health insurance I policy. Did. Oh, that's a Seriously. whole other issue. Um, yep. So because it's self insured company, mm-hmm. um, what what happened was I found the, uh, a new meaning to life and a new voice, and I thought. Who are you to tell me I'm too pretty to do anything? Do you even know how smart I am? Like, I just, I got so frustrated. And then I thought, how many other women go through this? Mm. Well, I would say out of our our 23 episodes so far. Every single one. Everyone. Every single one. Exactly. So I thought, I'm going to make a stand. And I'm going to make people mad. But... Who are they to tell me how to live my life? Right. So that's so great that you've found that voice. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult. It was yeah. it was scary, you know, when you work for a corporate job and you're the sole breadwinner for a while and mm-hmm. you have children to take care of. And but I was prostituting myself to a job that I, I hated, mm-hmm. that wasn't allowing me to do what I was able to, you know, that I knew that what I was mentally of. able of. Yeah, yeah. capable of. I wanted to take care of people. I wanted to run facilities. I wanted to do this and that. Mm-hmm. Not just be uh, oh, a pretty a face, pretty a pretty face behind yeah. a desk, you know, whether he could. I gave that crown away a long time ago when it didn't do anything for my leg. <laughs> still wearing the sash. You know, though, I still wear yeah. the sash. Yeah. But oh, um, so when I started this journey, um, I knew where I was going. I had a conversation with uh, one of my bosses. That's in air quotes. Yeah, air quotes, bosses. And she said, you better have a plan A and a B and a C to get out of here because you're never going to leave because of the amount of money. Yeah. And the she's right. Oh, sure. Golden handcuffs. And, and she was, you know, and I looked at her and said, I don't need a plan B and C. What do you mean? I said, I have plan A and in plan A, there is no failure in it. I'm going to tell you right now, I have it all the way planned out. Two years later, 
yeah, almost two years later, I was out. And I followed, ev- I executed everything I planned. Because, and, and it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. It, there were a lot of challenges. So did you, I mean, is this, did you go the legal route with this? I is did. That, okay. I yes. did. So I was like, okay, why does it take you two years to leave a job? Well, okay, that's legal. Okay. Legal, it took yeah. me two years. And um, I needed that insurance to pay for these surgeries. Oh, too. sure. So yeah. I had to fight that as well because that was a whole nother issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, two years later, I I just decided, well, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Yeah. How hard can that be? It's mm. been hard. It Ooh, is. It we is a challenge. From, yeah, yeah. We went Being, from, I've, I've started a few myself. Yeah, and a it's, few. Yes. I don't know about another one. Like, <laughs> Emily's an overachiever. She likes to have a lot of nonprofits because she's just so good at it. Oh, you know? I so do it so well. It's so easy. <laughs> one day I'm going to start a for-profit. You know? <laughs> one, one day. One day you'll learn. <laughs> one day you'll learn. You know, we started the nonprofit. Uh, so I started like a Facebook group just to see how many people had lymphedema. Mm-hmm. When I started that, that's when I realized there were serious issues in the world with this disease. How many people do you have in the group? Oh, I don't have the group anymore. Now it's an open page. Um, I have over 2,900 people just following the page. But I I, I just did an interview with People Magazine. Um, It hasn't been published or anything, but we talked about just the disease itself and Mm -hmm. what I've come through. I, I just did another interview with uh, another magazine in California that will be published uh, later this month. Um, they, they say I'm the face of lymphedema. Again, there you go. Back with the sash. Back and crown. with the sash. Right. <laughs> I said for Halloween, I want to be the, the leg lamp. For oh Halloween. my God, you, I'm totally going to be it. Yeah. So yeah. I might just have a Halloween party just so I can dress up to do that. Yes. But. Um, I will take that title over any other title I've ever had because that means I'm able to help people all over the world. Mm-hmm. That means I'm able to bring a voice to the disease and a face, not just a number, to the disease. And if you want to call me the face of lymphedema, then so be it. Yeah, there are worse things you could be the there, face of. <laughs> right. And, um, and, and so that's what I've done. But like I said, I've hid behind lymphedema so many years. Mm-hmm. My true calling is to help women. Now you're kind well, of owning it. When the, yeah, were you yeah. a little frightened when you had the surgery and they didn't? The leg was back now normal, and you didn't have anything to hide behind. I mean, mm. like now you have to redefine. Good in question, a Michelle. That's number yourself. two for you. Yeah, I know. Tonight. I'm glad you're asking that's me great. these because they're all it's in the my Saint Emilion yeah. wine. <laughs> Because what happens when I drink red wine that the Prince of Luxembourg makes? Yeah, it makes really work in that. Really work in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll have yeah. to. We'll he, find he's, him. I'm sure he's listening. He We're will his be. top podcast. Your 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 psychology <laughs> to, your psychology questions are coming out. They're, They're good great. questions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just, you know, because that was who you are. It was terrifying. Were. but and then the sense like how do you actually let that go and never mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I had the surgery, but there's something in your back of your brain, you know, it could, what if it manifests in, you know, on my right arm, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a little bit of fear there, Yeah, but you want to let it go and you want to, you want to step as far away from it as possible, yet it's still there. It's still there. Yeah. You're, you, you are so right. When I first had the surgery... Um, I cried when I saw my leg for several reasons. Because it was normal. It was normal. I had a knee. I've never <laughs> had a knee. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, the other one was, what happened to my identity? Oh, sure. Who I, are you now? Who am I now? Did you have to have... I mean, this is just a silly question. This is not a Michelle question. <laughs> no, there's no silly <laughs> questions. I yeah. am curious. Did you... I, I imagine you must have had to have all your clothes made for you. I just wore workout clothes most okay. of the time. That would be an Emily question. She is very fashion forward. <laughs> right. She would worry about how I just well, well, no, how you do it. I would have been like one leg, sweatpants. thirty pounds, right? Larger. Never, you know. This is the first time I've been able to wear jeans. Like, oh. no, I you you know people have asked me that. How how do I get dressed? What do I wear? Um, mm-hmm. I wore. So I got to the point where I was wearing long dresses and skirts so much that when I was talking to a young lady that I worked with. I asked her to go swimming with me, and she'd asked me, is the pool public or private? And I'm like, well, it's a subdivision pool, so it's kind of like both, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And she's like, well, fat girls don't swim in public pools. And Whoa. It, 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 it was hurt. she heavy, or was she, she was, thought you were fat? No, she thought she was fat. Oh. And it rocked me to the core 
that she even thought that way about herself because I didn't see her that way. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, okay, how do I view myself and how do others people view my view my, view me? And for the first time, I shared what I was hiding underneath that skirt. And she started laughing because she thought I was Pentecostal. <laughs> she thought I was Pentecostal. So, so she was relieved yes. that when you asked her to go swimming, you were actually going to be in a bathing suit and not sitting on the side with right. the, a skirt with the, with the right. little, yeah. what's it called? Bonnet. The, the bonnet yeah. on your head. Because yeah. she's like... You wear all these dresses and skirts. I'm like, um, I wear makeup too. You yeah, know? right. And she started laughing. Yeah, but my hair is in braids. You're right. right. <laughs> I, need, right. I need to do something else. Right. And so that's when I realized, like, if I'm hiding this so well, what could I do if I exposed it? Mm-hmm. And th- that moment was a very a pivotal moment for me because I, did, I hate to see women feel that way about themselves. Yeah. yeah. You know? Right. And uh, and she's a beautiful woman. Like, I never would have thought that. I mean, I think it's a challenge that just, again, like, all women struggle with. Mm-hmm. Really celebrating our our beauty. Um, no matter what it is. Right. No matter what we it is. And, and focus I, on our faults. Right. And I just, did a, I just did a post about, so now what I'm doing is I'm taking bits and pieces from my book. Mm-hmm. And I'm slowly putting them out there. Right. And I did a post about... Being bold and loving yourself and really what that meant. And how do you give unconditional love when you never received it? It's a, yeah, it, you're right. You don't even understand that concept. Or do you think you deserve it? Well, mostly you don't a, think you yeah, deserve that's a good it. Point. Exactly. Exactly. Mostly you think that there's something that you're not quite good enough. Mm-hmm. So you don't, des- yes, yeah, so you're not deserving of any love. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have been listening to a lot of. Um, mindset, you know, YouTube videos, meditation kind of things, and one of the one of the um, the tenets that keep coming up is uh, that we know when we're born, everything is right there, and you as a baby, you know, you are good enough. You never even think anything else because, mm-hmm. and you know that if you lay there and cry, I mean, we're talking generically. There are some people that are not good parents but you know if you lay there and cry someone's going to come along and take care of you they're going to give you attention you don't lay there and go oh i'm not deserving of my meal i'm not deserving (laughs) of the love that these people are giving me so that that uh, mindset is learned Mm -hmm. it's learned and at some point as a child you um internalize that or i'm I'm saying you as as listeners in general and so as i'm listening to these these um these meditations and discussions and, you know, thoughts and self-esteem and, and, you know, there's so much gravity as a parent. I mean, we have, we have stuff that we are, you know, we have to overcome from being somebody's child. And then when you have children, you know, if you, if you can recognize that, that power of your words and what impact that'll have on your children and, change the family dynamic change the 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 traditional trajectory of the riveras or the doherty's or the lanes you know mm-hmm. and your children are going to be so much better off for it and i know i mean i was listening to this stuff and so i let my mm-hmm. kids know i was like hey sorry i didn't mean what i said you know mm-hmm. I, I want you to know i recognize that i probably have said some things during your your adolescence you're growing up that that might might have hurt and I didn't rec- realize it did. So, you know, I want to say sorry now. Take taking that uh, the the strength and the sting of those words away that they may have internalized mm-hmm. because I know I have my own that I have internalized and I'm, you know, I'm nearly 50 that I still have to let go mm-hmm. that I heard from my parents mm-hmm. or other family mm-hmm. members or grandparents or siblings and it's like you know, when you hold on to those things, it 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 can it'll affect what you think you deserve mm-hmm. from other people, whether it's a loving relationship or or not. So. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing how I mean. It's so many times these statements are not shared with us to intentionally hurt us. You know, they're no, but, but yet 
you know, yeah, the lasting power of them is just tremendously significant. I know that, Michelle, you we've talked about this a couple mm-hmm. of times. Like, I remember the first time I was like, uh, I was, you know, maybe 13 and putting on a swimsuit for the first time realizing I have curves now, mm-hmm. you know, and feeling kind of like, oh, wow, well, this is kind of interesting. You know, I'm, I, I didn't know how to think about it because mm-hmm. it was the first time in the, you know, in the summer and the that I put a suit on, I was like, wow, well, I, you know, my hips are, are fuller, but I was looking at myself and I was like, oh, I. Trying to get comfortable yeah, in your newly like, okay, womanly like well, skin. Yeah. And, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I think this is okay. It's not, it doesn't mean I'm fat. This is just different, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was told at that point that, oh, oh, no, 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 that is fat because just reach your hand mm-hmm behind your leg and pinch it, whatever fits in your hand is fat. And after that point on, like, I've been very paranoid about my backside and my hips and all of that. And that was, you know, that was one comment by one person who was carrying their own weight of their own ideals that had been passed on to them mm. at some point, you know. I, 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 can, I can top that. I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a competition with us. Yeah, who is yes. most dysfunctional? Um, <laughs> well, I think I know you guys. Be. You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. just trying to relate now. Trying to hope you know, no. still be your friend. Right. Yeah. Well, I was 13 years old, and I I don't mind saying who it was that made the comment. I was 13 years old. My father had come back from being away. Um, he was uh, military, so he was gone for a year, and we were moving. And we were moving from one location to the next, and it was summertime, it was August, and we were at my grandmother's, and she lived on the lake, and we were out, and we are all, like, on the raft, and we are floating, and I'm just so happy because my family's together, my dad's back, my brothers and sister were all outside. It was just a wonderful day. And my father, in his joking way, and those are air quotes, mm-hmm. says to me, you know, Michelle, when you were, when you were born, your butt fit fit in the palm of my hands and now and he moved his hands and made them really large like beyond his shoulders and I was 13 and I was devastated and there wasn't I wasn't fat in any means I was a normal healthy 13 year old and I've carried that Uh. statement with me my whole life you know my father probably thought he was being funny and he you know I'm sure this is the problem, you know. Here I'm making excuses for my dad when I just need to be like, "Dad needs to own it." Um, yeah, and you know, he left, and I was 12, and he came back, and I was 13, and I'm, you know, a lot of development happens, mm-hmm. you know, when when mm-hmm. girls are right there in puberty, and they're changing all kind of stuff. So, I was a child when he left, and a young woman when he came back, mm-hmm. and he didn't know how to reconcile that in his brain, but he did not have to say anything, and so I've, wow. I've tried to be a good parent and not not make comments about my child my children's physical right. attributes mm-hmm. and i'm i'm very sensitive when i hear people target somebody mm-hmm. you know oh and you, you know what and you hear this stuff out in public all the time you I, do and it, it is it is heartbreaking mm-hmm. what you will hear and and you usually know. when and like again um you know i i, I speak in um uh, stereotypes or whatever, but when people target somebody else's physical flaws, it's because they are miserable inside. Oh, their sure, own souls. they're they're projecting, right? And they don't know they don't know how to just mm-hmm. be a normal, happy human being mm-hmm. and and be glad that they're alive and breathing that day, right? But anyway, that's enough passion on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, yeah, very yeah. true. Oh, wow, yeah, this has been absolutely wonderful, Amy. I, I you've got the I book know. coming. You've you know you've got some. Um, interviews. You're doing a podcast soon. You have a website. Yes, we have the Ninja site. We're building the Amy Rivera. Like this is so very new for me to share my story. That okay. this year is is really where I'm really going to come out and just share it. Well, we would love yeah. to have a link to whatever ways anybody our Absolutely. listeners can reach out to you. And I would love to have, know more about lymphedemia. I'm a cancer survivor. I had 18 lymph nodes taken out during um, my cancer surgery. So I wonder if mm-hmm. if any of any of my thickening and <laughs> could it be lymphedema or is it just I need to exercise and eat less? You know, I don't know. That's probably not well, the I red wine. Well, I think you look gorgeous. Oh, I do too. You're just too, you're, you're so kind. 
Thank you. I'm truthful. (laughs) I'm very truthful. So, um, you know, I don't think you have any, any kind of eating portion control kind of issues. And shame on your dad, by the way. Yeah, we I love kind my of, dad. I, I but, love him. He's yeah. great, but I, I think I, can, I think I might kick his ass when he gets next you time. You should tell him. <laughs> you, you, you about used to be. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> no, actually, this is how this is how I get back. I just have a podcast and tell the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the, the international world because we do have listeners from all over the globe. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's just how it is, Dad. You yeah. know. Yeah. I, I know I know we're getting close to wrapping up, but I, I do have one question sure. left that I want to ask Amy about because as we were trying to get our mics all in position before the before the show started, we were catching up a little bit and we were talking about the um, your niece that you had adopted that is oh, yeah. that is now back with. She lives with right? me. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just introducing her back in. Okay, so I was just curious. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask you a little Mm -hmm. bit about that, just if we can spend like two minutes. I just wanted to learn about how that's going, the introduction process, how how you're feeling about that. I can imagine that that can be very conflicting and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Raising her, she's always known that she was my niece. Um, Because you got her when she was how old? She just turned three. Um, So is this one of the brothers that went to prison? mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which one? The one that is in and out? The one that's still kind of struggling. Okay. The one that's been in and out. Um, Both her parents went to prison. Her mother robbed a bank in Clayton and fled to Mexico. Oh, and, wow. Um, well, we have to change it from, this can't be Ozark. We have to come up with another name. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, you know. It's, yeah, you know, I can't even believe she did it. Is like, she still, was she ever found? Is she still yes, in Yes, yeah. she was found. Um, she was transferred back up here. She did her, you know, her couple years in prison and she got out. Just two years for robbing a bank? I, I think she Do you did get like to three. keep the money? <laughs> right. No, she, I know. And she didn't even get a whole lot. She didn't oh even get a whole lot. Um, wow. Because she was actually, she just wanted the gift cards. Right. <laughs> she she walked in with a, I don't even know what she was thinking, but she walked in with a, you know, thing around her head. and <laughs> Like the nylon, the pantyhose over her head. But it was around her head. And, and she was watching Raising Arizona. That's probably right? where she got her idea oh from. <laughs> and I'll take these huggies. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. And she just walked out like nothing happened and walked and got in the car and they drove off. Hmm. Didn't even change the license plates nothing right um so but her mother's never had a really connection with her ever and um my brother has because he you know daughters and fathers Mm -hmm. and and so forth um it's been a little traumatizing for my niece um she's getting used to the fact how old is she now she's 11 11 okay um she's really gifted she's excelled in every class they've talked about you know moving her and uh, you've never once told her she was too pretty to move forward, right? Uh, no. Good, good. Glad what to hear I that. tell her, she wants to be an astronaut, actually. Oh, fantastic. Oh, amazing. And I told her, let's do whatever we can to have an astronaut in the family. Um, I think it's great that she's so smart. Um, mm-hmm. She is very, very pretty. She looks just like her mother, actually. Mm-hmm. Her mother's very pretty. Um, but she's a little nervous about her dad. She told me, you know, one minute he was never there, and then now he's all of a sudden he's he's there, sure. and she just wants to get to know him. Yeah, and so Fair I'm enough. very honest and open with her, and I try not to tell her she's 11. So well, but she's bright. She's so. bright. So when I don't tell her the truth, she knows. Mm-hmm. So I have to. She she got off her phone got off the phone with her dad the other day, and she goes, "I feel like he takes advantage of me because of my age." Good. That's those are wonderful wow. skills for her to be aware right. of now. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, absolutely fantastic. Where were you when I was a kid? I needed well, you. <laughs> and good for you that you've been exposed to so much throughout your life that you know it, you can have those conversations with her and help shell help shape um, how she copes mm-hmm. with those kinds of encounters and. And, you know, and also face realities of our world and right. um, and overcome them in a positive way. 
And, so that's and great. She's, and she's doing a really good job with it. She really is. That's wonderful. You know, I'm so. glad to hear. Well, I wanted, yeah, yeah I wanted to hear you. the end yeah. of that story. So thank you for letting us. Uh, there are pleasant endings in my life. There are lots of them. <laughs> lots you, of them. You're just, you're just actually starting on this new journey, this new, new, like, like the health is good. Mm-hmm. The the path is out there for you. I mean, I'm just so excited to have, to have met you and to see where you go from here. This is just very exciting. And yeah. I thank you so much for coming on on our podcast. Yeah. Today. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. We'll I have you like, back. Okay. Yes, definitely. It? Get that book done. Or yeah, the I'm website. on a, People are already like, when is it? You know, I have a lot of people you know, asking for it. So it has so, to be finished. I'm just so thrilled. We're, we are getting close to wrapping up our first season. We have one more episode to go before our season one is fully, fully <sighs> done. <sighs> and Woo-hoo, we did we, it. Wow. <laughs> what is amazing is that, I mean, we have just had, we've had the fortune of meeting tremendous women like yourself um, in this first season. And, uh, one of the things that we hear from our clitorati is that they want to meet all of these amazing women. So we are looking at putting together an event here. Um, I a would season say one rap party. Oh, yeah, probably sometime in, in March. April. In no, April, April. April. Where April um, 6th. <laughs> we want all of our, our guests to come and it'll be a meet and greet so our our listeners can come and Meet this amazing yeah. We'll have a Facebook event created for it to look for that. You can meet some of our other guests, and I hope that you'll you can join us when that comes around. I actually will be in town. Fantastic, good. Yes, absolutely good. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us and being so um, open open with your story. It is fascinating. I know there's more there, so I can't wait to read your book when it comes (laughs) out. When will that be? Uh, it, well, we, by the end of the year, it will be out. And it, what, what, do you have a name for it? Yeah, it's Awaken Your Resilient Oh, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. I wrote it she down. wrote it down. See, you did. That, yes. to me, yeah. that's the Centimillion uh, coming in. Already, <laughs> I already lost the title. So, thank goodness I know the author. <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. You can listen to this episode again. It's earlier in the episode when she names it. So, you can, yeah. like, write your note down there. Or you can find it on our blog. It will be up. Yes, Eventually. yes, we'll have links yes. to awesome. information Everything. that Amy has talked about today. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming. We are finishing up the bottle, the rest of this wine and going to have a, a sip or two. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just say if anybody has any questions about today, if you're like, hmm, I wonder if I have lymphedema, um, feel free to call our comment line at 812-727-0794. We will put you in touch with Amy. And um, if you just have any general comments we to share today. We love general comments, too. You know, any wine suggestions, um, you know, any any amazing stories of forgiveness that you two have encountered, Let's we want to hear them as well. Yeah. So, again, 812-727-0794. How about that? We actually had the number ready this time, we Michelle. We did. We did. We're learning. By the time the end of the first season, we have things down. So, yeah, be sure to um, follow us on all of our socials. Mm-hmm. Like us. Subscribe to us. Five stars us like we're your uber driver write a review because that is how those algorithms work in this podcast world so share, that share, more share. people know about us and um mm-hmm. thank you so much for listening and amy thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show tonight cheers cheers, cheers.